0: Welcome to Without the Footnotes, Not Your Typical Holocaust Lecture, with me, your host Estherini. On this week's episode, I'll be talking about the Yazidi genocide. Hi friends and welcome to season two, episode nine of Without the Footnotes, Not Your Typical Holocaust Lecture. Um Well, I think there's probably probably just gonna be a collective sigh for a thousand thousand years from all women on the planet Um, I can't believe what's happened in the last week seems like I was just sat here like five minutes ago speaking on International Women's Day and between International Women's Day and Mother's Day we've just seen a whole lot of vile stuff go down and I just wanted to speak on it for a few minutes because The main thing that seems to really have come out of um, Sarah Everard's murder has been that we now have to have a whole conversation around not all men. And I just want to put it out there that we have had enough... Um, minority groups, people who suffer um, specific types of violence, like that kind of thing. Like we've had enough in trying to explain to the majority that there is an issue, a societal issue that needs to be addressed. How about we just believe people and we believe statistics and we believe evidence and we believe what we we see happening because we all know everybody has been, I would argue that everybody has been in a situation where they've seen a woman suffer harassment or even violence um at the hands of a man and um how about we just get on with it let's just deal with one of the very many issues that we have out there at large um and not have to have a back and forth conversation about how we understand that not all men um do these kinds of things because i would really argue that um the statistics and the experiences of women um say otherwise. If you are a man listening to this, you identify as a man, I would challenge you to try and find a woman in your life that can honestly say that they have never been harassed. Like if we just start there, that is just a norm for certainly every woman that I know. I don't, I'm not sure I know anybody that has never been harassed in their life by a man I would be shocked to find somebody and if you if you speak to people I'm sure you'll get the same kind of reactions and that should be enough to tell you that there is a problem and for everybody else I would say especially women and for those who identify as women I'm just going to say women because I don't think you have to explain yourself or whether you identify as one if you just call yourself a woman anyway um we need to take a step back from this conversation because it's the onus is now on men to carry this forward and to deep it and to really be doing something about it because it's their problem. We have done so much to protect ourselves and we don't afford ourselves certain kinds of freedoms already and it's just disgusting. And even more so that we have to try and defend it. And I would say we should focus more in on... like allow it like all you guys like step up to the plate recognize that there's a problem start doing things about it be proactive be long-term protect the people that you not only the people that you love but just as your fellow human being like we (laughs) we're literally like we're just human beings I don't I can't I just don't get it just care about the issue and do something about it um Rather to all my women out there, rather than involving yourselves in this not all men um stuff that seems to be going around, I'd rather focus f- really focus in on the issues at hand and the fact that there has been a murder by a policeman in the UK. Well, I mean, I know it's not proven, but like he's been arrested for it. Um, there was um consequently there was violence at a vigil that was held there is legislation that is being tried to be pushed through parliament to um put restrictions on protesting during covid um restrictions um i would also look into why when a white woman was went missing and was found murdered that that made such news and then the same types ...of things are happening to black women... ...and they're not being reported... ...and they're not being investigated... ...that's a huge issue... Um, ...and I would keep the conversations around that... ...and keeping keep advocating for ourselves... ...but leave the... ...leave that argument of not all men... To, ...for men to figure out... ...and to have the conscience... ...to really do something about it... ...because... We absolutely know and understand what it is to be a woman and to, as I said, to not afford yourselves the everyday freedoms that men experience. And they need to catch up, basically. They just need to catch up to us. Anyway, if you do want to speak on any of those issues, please feel free to DM me or to send me an email, info at withoutthefootnotes.org. I am always here to talk things through, to have a rant, to whatever. I'm also open to being educated on the topic if you're an expert on it. Um, I will be looking to do some work around this issue, um, this particular issue this year. And yeah, well, from one light topic to another this week I'm going to talk about the Yazidi genocide of 2014 so let's just crack on with the episode okay so here we go the Yazidi genocide so the Yazidi people are a religious minority group that are indigenous to northwest Iraq northeast Syria and southeastern Turkey their religion is based on one god and seven holy beings and they believe that because they are descendants from Adam and not Eve that they want to keep themselves separate from everybody else and only strictly marry within their own community. So they're a particularly private people and much of the Yazidi religion is unknown. However, we do know that they believe that the world was created by one god and then once created he kind of took a step back, had nothing more to do with it and left it in charge of the seven holy angels that I just mentioned. And they are a traditionally oral religion rather than being scripture based and the chief divine being is the peacock angel and is worshipped in the form of a peacock by the Yazidi people. They have however because of this privacy been labelled as devil worshippers by outsiders basically through our failure to recognise or understand the holy beings that they worship and as a result over the centuries they have suffered Persecution from different groups, in particular massacres and forced conversions, um, particularly Islamification. So, as I'm going to talk about the most recent genocide in Iraq in 2014, I'm only going to focus in on this area, and for today... We'll tell you a little bit about the Yazidis of Northern Iraq and the infamous ISIS who were the perpetrators of this genocide. So Iraq had a large Yazidi population in relation to other countries, with the size of the community being estimated between 70,000 up to 500,000. As I said, they are notoriously private people, so that's the estimate. Um, they have traditionally lived in isolated villages in northern Iraq and their holiest temples are situated there. And in 2014, the Islamic State, so you may also know them as ISIS, the Islamic State of Iraq and Syria, or ISIL, um, the Islamic State of Iraq and the Levant, Levant, um, they perpetrated a genocide against the Yazidi people in the Sinjar area of northern Iraq. So I'm just going to explain a little bit about ISIS and their motivations for this genocide. So founded in 1999 this proto-state or quasi-state which means it's like a self-proclaimed state that doesn't have an an affiliation with a institutionalized or autonomous state and It pledged allegiance at first to al-Qaeda in 2003, following the invasion of Iraq by the West. And in 2014, ISIS declared itself a single Islamic world government, with the idea of being the political, religious and military authority over all Muslims worldwide. However, it's important, and it's really, really important to note that a lot of Muslims, I would argue the majority of Muslims reject this and do not affiliate or consider themselves to be governed or want to be governed by ISIS at all. Um, ISIS are a religiously violent group that seek out the purification of the Islamic community. They reject any innovations within the religion that that have occurred over the centuries and label people outside of their Islamic beliefs as infidels. Their aim is quite literally, to take over the world and have everybody believe in their interpretation of the Quran, and to eradicate any kind of opposition to that. So, what happened to the Yazidi people of northern Iraq? Well, on August 3rd, 2014, ISIS attacked and took over Sinjar. And this invasion caused around 200,000 people to immediately flee the area. And this included around 50,000 Yazidi who fled to nearby mountains where they became surrounded by ISIS and trapped without adequate supplies. So I'm just going to put a trigger warning here because I'm going to talk about what then um, proceeded to happen to the Yazidi people at the hands of ISIS. So immediately um, ISIS started committing massacres and made no secret of their aim to destroy the Yazidi people either through conversions to Islam, ethnic cleansing, slavery and murder. What would happen was ISIS would go into the villages and towns and the remaining civilians who hadn't um, fled the area would be given the choice to either convert to Islam or be killed. And many of the men that they gave this option to obviously refused to do so. So, in one particular village named, um, I think you say it, Ko- Kocho, is reported that around 400 men were rounded up and given this option and then just shot. And the women and children were then taken into slavery by the group, by ISIS. And this is kind of the blueprint what, to what happened like many times over in many different um, villages. So the men would be rounded up and separated from the women and then they would be taken away and killed. Then what would happen to the women and the children would be that they would be taken by ISIS and subjected to many times to sexual violence and slavery and be enslaved. So some women were forced to convert and marry ISIS fighters. They were subject to torture and gang rapes. Um, They were subject to brutal and degrading treatment at the hands of their um, enslavers. Some were sold multiple times to many different fighters. Many women and young girls, because of this brutal treatment that they suffered um, whilst they were enslaved, would commit suicide. Some women even killed their own children in order to protect them from being taken by the fighters. So we know that, um, we definitely have evidence that the Islamic State, like this was a, a policy for them um, because they actually issued official guidance to their followers on what they could do with non-Muslim women, stating that women could be bought and sold and given as gifts. They could be disposed of as property if the fighters died. Um, Jews, Christians and Yazidi women could be used as sexual slaves. And once captured, it was outlined that the fighters could take possession of them and they were also permitted to sleep with pre-pubescent children. So for the tens of thousands of people who managed to escape. Sinjar and the consequential massacres that happened there, they actually escaped into the mountains and there the situation was pretty dire. They were without food, without water, without any access to medical aid and they were constantly being fired upon by ISIS. So what happened was Iraq and the US began to drop supplies to the Yazidis who were trapped on the mountains and on the 8th of August 2014 the US began airstrikes in an effort to prevent a potential massacre and also obviously there was an ongoing siege of the area. So between the 9th and the 11th of August, a safe passage was established in order to allow the Yazidi to enter into Syria and to find refuge. And it's estimated that around 35,000 people were able to escape and find safety this way. So pretty successful on that front. And then of the people that remained on uh, in On the mountains, Um, around half of them already resided in that area before the siege of Sinjar and the other half decided to stay as they were often too scared to return back to where they'd come from for fear of further persecution. Um, And those people that stayed on the mountains iraq con- continued to send supplies by way of helicopter to make sure that they had as much as w- was possible to to bring to them basically so this siege actually went on until the 21st of december in 2014 when or peshmerga or pesmerga forces liberated the area so to this day many women and children and men who managed to escape the genocide and also survived the slavery and secu- sexual violence that was perpetrated against them. Um, they, as I said, they managed to escape and return back to their homes. They suffer a tremendous amount of mental and physical trauma and there is ongoing work today to... Um, basically help the Yazidi people recover and recuperate from what they experienced at the hands of ISIS. So it is estimated that between 2014 and 2017, ISIS murdered between two to four and a half thousand Yazidi and conducted between four to almost 11,000 abductions. So what I was talking about people being sold in and enslaved um a fraction of the population has actually returned back to their original homes um and largely people are still afraid to return and obviously because there was a siege um there were like mines and stuff like that in the areas um specifically also around mass graves um that have to be basically diffused and removed so that it's safe to be in the area so since then mass graves have been uncovered and evidence has been um they're compiling um, oh gosh can't speak they're compiling evidence for the international criminal court and as recently as the 7th of february of this year there has been a mass burial of 104 Yazidi men who were killed in the genocide as they um discovered a mass grave, grave, exhumed it and identified the bodies of the the people who were killed there. So this is very much a an issue that is ongoing and how the Yazidi people receive um justice for the crimes that were perpetrated against them. So if you do Google, you do look in the news, it's more than likely that you're going to find um ongoing stories about um Yazidi people kind of advocating for for justice basically so if you do want to look that up I'm sure you wouldn't have to look too far so in light of what's been happening over the last week in relation to men committing violence against women I want to focus in on some now that I've done the main bulk of um, what actually happened I want to focus in on some testimony from a survivor of the genocide, and she also survived enslavement. And this is a statement that was given by Nadia Murad-Bassi Taha to the UN Security Council. And I'm reading this to highlight the very specific treatment of Yazidi women and girls during the perpetration of this crime. So everything that I read from now on, until I say that, you know, until it ends... um, is a translation and a quote of her speech that I found on freedomfund.org. I will be putting a link to her actually addressing um, the UN, a video of it, which has a slightly different translation, but this is one that I found that was actually um, typed up. So I'm going to read this version. It's not too different. It's just, I guess it just depends who translated it. Um, So yeah, so this is the quote. Mr. President, ladies and gentlemen, delegates of the Security Council, good afternoon. I would like to thank United States for calling this debate and for inviting me to speak. It is with great sadness, gratitude and hope that I stand before you today as one of the few survivors of one of the world's oldest ethnic and religious groups now threatened by extinction. I am here today to speak on the way to... To speak on the way the so-called Islamic State trafficked us, transformed the Yazidi women into sex slaves, and the way ISIS committed a genocide against my people. I am here to tell what has happened to me and my community that lost hope is headed to the unknown. I am here also to speak on behalf of those who remain in captivity. I am here to speak about a global terrorist organisation that came to end our existence, culture and freedom, to speak about the nightmare that changed my life and my community overnight. Before August 3rd, 2014, I was living with my family in Kodcho Co- village with my single mother and brothers and sisters. Our village was beautiful. We were living in peace. But on August 3rd, the militants of the Islamic State attacked our areas and we found ourselves faced with a brutal genocide. These large groups of armed men of various nationalities, in uniforms, with weapons, had decided that the Yazidis were infidels and had to be eradicated. The Islamic State did not come to kill the women and girls, but to use us as spoils of war, as objects to be sold with little or or to be gifted for free. Their cruelty was not merely opportunistic. The ISIS soldiers came with a pre-established policy to commit such crimes. Islamic State had one intention, to destroy the Yazidi identity by force, rape, recruitment of children and destruction of holy sites they captured, especially against the Yazidi women where where they used rape as a means of destruction for Yazidi women and girls and ensuring these women will never return to a normal life. On August 15th, the militants called us to the school building where they separated men from us. I witnessed from the second floor of the school, they took the men and killed them, including six of my brothers and stepbrothers who were killed and three who escaped the mass killing with the Creator's blessing. We, the women and children, were driven away to another area. Along the way, they insulted us, they were forcefully touching women and girls. I was taken with some other 150 girls to Mosul. In a building, there were thousands of Yazidi women of women and children and who previously had been captured by ISIS to be offered as gifts. A militant approached me. He said they would take me. I was looking down. I was terrified. When I looked up, I saw a big man. He looked like a minister. I cried. I said, I don't want you. I told him, you are too big for me. I am a little girl. Another militant walked in. I was still looking down. I saw his feet. He had small feet. I begged him to take me for himself. I was so scared from the big militant. The one who took me asked me to convert. I did not. He then one day asked me for marriage. I told him I am sick. Most of the captive women there had their menstrual period due to the fears. Then he one day forced me to dress for him and put makeup. I did and in the black night he did it. He forced me to serve his militant squad. He insulted me by forcing me to dress improperly and I was unable to bear more, more rape and torture. I decided to escape but I failed and I was, com- I was captured by the guards. That night he beat me up, forced me to undress and put me in a room with six militants. They continued to commit crimes to my body until i became unconscious after three months of abduction finally i was able to escape now i live in germany thanks to germany who accepted and treated me but it was not only me who suffered it was a collective suffering the examic state gave us two choices convert or die for those who accepted to convert fearing their lives Their men were killed, women were enslaved, and children were recruited. To date, 16 mass mass graves have been found, including a mass grave of 80 women who they didn't desire, therefore they decided to kill. More than 400,000 Yazidis are displaced, more than 40% of our areas remain under control of ISIS and the liberated areas are not habitable because of the destruction and Yazidi fears to return and live in their homes with peace. Over the past week, only more than 70 Yazidi women and children drowned on their way through dangerous paths to Europe. Thousands are seeking an exit. A great percentage see immigration as the only choice. Mrs. President, ladies and gentlemen, the Islam- Islamic State have made the Yazidi women a fuel for human trafficking. I am presenting to you our requests and I have hope that humanity has not died yet. Bring back more than 3,400 women and children currently suffering under the mercy of those who have lost every bit of mercy. Recognize these mass killings, enslavement, and human trafficking committed as genocide. I appeal to you to find a way to open a case before the International Criminal Court. Liberate our land, liberate Kocho so that Kocho people can return, can bury the remains of their dead. Provide Dzidi areas and other threatened minorities areas with international protection so we can return one day and live in peace. I also request that you allocate an international fund to compensate victims and build our areas. Open your borders for my community. We are victims of genocide and we have the right to seek a safe place where our dignity will be preserved. We request that you give Yazidis and other threatened minorities the choice to resettle, especially to the victims of human trafficking, as Germany did. Bring an end to ISIS. I have seen them. I have lived the pain they caused. We have to bring all human traffickers, criminals and those who committed a genocide to justice so that the women and children in Nigeria, Syria, Somalia and everywhere in the world can live in peace. These crimes against women and their freedom shall stop now. And that's the end of her speech, of her address to the UN. So I think that's where I'm going to leave the episode for today as i said i will put a link to the video of nadia's testimony as the translation in the un is slightly different to this one but i do ask that you watch it and if it inspires you to do, if it inspires you to do so, perhaps perhaps donate to a women's charity, um, particularly those that suffer from sexual violence as a weapon of war or genocide. And you can find a lot of information on this on the UN website. It's really, really easy to find. So with that being said, um, let's hope for a better week this coming week. Let's remain hopeful. Um, just urge... I just urge people to do the work, like really do the work. And yeah, I'll catch you next time. Ciao.